want to get into the word today and I want to uh, see what God has for us. So look with me in 1 Samuel chapter 1 and verse 2. This is the story of the family of Elkanah, okay? And it's about Hannah and Panina. I'm going to help pronounce some names before we get in there so you understand how to see them. And verse 2, it starts off and it says, and he had, he's talking about Elkanah, had two wives. Everybody say two wives. Two wives. It reminds me of what Paul said in uh, the New Testament, in Romans, how uh, uh, God had two, Israel and the church. And, and, and if we could take a little more time, I would. But I want you to see this. He had two wives and the name of one was Hannah. Everybody say Hannah. And the name of the other was Panina. That's how you pronounce that name. Panina had children, but, and, and then it says Panina had children, but Hannah had no children. This man, Elkanah, went up from his city yearly to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. Also, the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord, were there. And whenever the time came for Elkanah to make an offering, he would give portions to Panina, his wife, to her, all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he would give a double portion. Everybody say double portion. For he loved Hannah, although the Lord had closed her womb. And right here, I want you to see, and her rival, I want you to underline that, also provoked her severely to make her miserable. Because the Lord had closed her womb. So it was year by year. I want you to underline that too. When she went up to the house of the Lord that she provoked her, therefore she wept and did not eat. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for what you're about to speak. And I know it's going to be led by the Holy Spirit, God, because you're in charge. And I pray that you would anoint me for the assignment that you have me on. There is a time that we are in right now, God, that we need a timely word. We don't need a stale word. We don't need an old word. We don't need a short word or a long word. We need a timely word. We need a word from heaven. We need a word from God. We need a word from God right now. And we thank you, God, that your word is going to be fresh it's going to be powerful, and it's going to be transformational in our life. And we get ready to receive that word. And if you're ready, say a good amen. amen. Awesome. Okay, so let's start off, and let's just kind of break this down a little bit. Uh, when you talk about this, we have to talk about Elkanah. And Elkanah was a wealthy man. Elkanah had a lot of money. Elkanah was a good man and a wealthy man. And he had two wives, as we mentioned. The first wife, Hannah. Second wife, Panina. I want you to write both those names down because they're going to relate to you. I want you to write those names down because they're going to speak to you. And I'm going to just kind of teach and process through this message with you today as we just take it one step at a time. Now, Panina began to have children right away. She had multiple children. But Hannah couldn't have kids, but Hannah was married to Elkanah, and Elkanah treated her really well. Elkanah gave her double portion, right? And imagine, just let's start it off. We read seven verses, but these seven verses were over the course of multiple years. We're talking, let's just say, easily seven years, so this, these seven verses represent seven years. Remember it said year by year? It, it's seven years. So maybe in the first year when Elkanah had, you know, Panina and Hannah, 
The first year, you know, like wasn't anything. They both didn't have kids. And then, you know, they're both getting taken care of. He's, he's providing for them. And then Panina gets pregnant. And I'm sure on the first pregnancy, Panina was like, hey, you know, here's my, you know, shower invitation. We're going to have a baby shower. I think it's going to be a girl. And we start talking and she starts getting excited. I'm sure Hannah was like, oh, okay, cool, great. No big deal because it's comfortable. Everybody say comfortable. Because Hannah was at one point very comfortable and it was easy. She had it good. She was living right between Lucky Street and Happy Boulevard. She had it all, that, all everything she needed. And she was fine. Everybody say, I'm fine. I'm good. I'm comfortable. I, I'm, I'm, I'm ready. This is all right. And she could have been good just right there. But God had more for Hannah. God wanted to do more for Hannah, but God didn't heal the condition of Hannah. God provoked the carrier within Hannah. So now he's not going to heal the ailment. What he's going to do is provoke the person. So there might be a problem that he's speaking to, and the problem that he's speaking to, he's not going to fix right away. What he's going to do is he's going to provoke the person because the problem, if he just came and fixed it, would never provoke the person to become all they were meant to be. So now there is a point in our life that God is saying, okay, you're, I think you might have gotten comfortable. And Hannah had gotten so comfortable that now all of a sudden one year turned to two, turned to three, turned to four, turned to five. And one baby turned to two, turned to three, turned to four, turned to five. Had multiple babies. And at one baby, I'm sure she was fine. Two babies, okay, hey, what's going on? Three babies, hey, Lord, where are you at? What are you doing, God? But see, we can't get mad at Panina. Because Panina, can I just speak to you for a little bit? And if you can read between the lines, Panina took the same husband that Hannah took, and Panina was doing more with, with, with the same results. Or doing this, uh, Panina was getting more with the same person. She was producing. So sometimes we have the same source, but we both have different results. And it's according to what we're doing and what, how we're working what God has given us. Because there are messages that we need to receive in a greater, more in-depth way for our life to do the most that we can with it. Not to just settle and be comfortable. Because see, oh, can, I, can I preach a little bit? I think that there is a place that we ought to understand that American and Western Christianity has gotten so comfortable and we have the same God, we have the same Father, we have the same input, we have the same message, and we have churches that are growing, but yet when we look at Africa and we look at China and we look at these other places and tens of thousands of people are coming to Christ every week and we hear, we hear of be, dead people being raised. We hear of the sick being healed. We hear of people walking miles to church because they got, this, they got the same God we do, but they got more results with the same. See, they're doing more with what they've got. And, and, and if we continue to say, oh, well, that's okay. We're comfortable. That's, that's for Africa. That's for them. That's for those guys. Oh, that's okay. You know, that's for China. That's for Korea. That big church over there, that's wonderful. They're reaching people for Jesus. We, we're doing good too. We're I'm all paid for. Hey, we got big buildings. 
I got a big home. I got a big salary. I've got a comfortable life. You can't expect me to go out there and pray for the dead. You can't expect me to take the same message that they have, the same gospel that they have, the same input that they have. And, and, and no, no, they're doing more with it. They're producing more with it. Why can't we got a challenge? We got to get out of this place. But this is the title of my message. I want you to write this down. Rivals. Isn't that what it says? Rivals. You remember your rivals when you were playing in sports? Do you have an arch nemesis right now? A rival? See, I have a, a friendly rival. I have a rival with Pastor Joel Scrivener. He's like my best friend, but we're rivals. And you want to know why we're rivals? Because every time he shares how good his church is doing, I'm like, oh, yeah? Well, look what our church, and we go back, and I'm like, well, guys, we got to do bigger. We got to do better. And he does the same thing because it's spurring us on to never be comfortable with just doing okay. Never be comfortable with just sustaining and surviving because there has to be, God is going to put you around people that are going to challenge you. He's going to put you environments around people who are more studied and well-read than you, who know the Bible so good, it's going to provoke you to want to know the Bible better. He's going to put you, and you're going to say, well, how did I end up in this place with these people? And he's saying, I did that. I put you in this family because I wanted to provoke you. I wanted to get a rival because I don't really take every other. When we would play basketball, I wouldn't take every other team seriously. I would take who? I would take my rival seriously. So I'm like, okay, we really got to step it up because this is, this is rival stuff. We got to get after it. And I won't even mention my rivals from high school or from when I coached because some of them might be streaming online. And I love you now in Jesus' name. I didn't love you back then, but I love you now. And, and, and we, but when it came to the rivals, it pulled us to a greater level. It, it pulled you to say, wait, 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 what's wrong with me? Well, wait, 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 I can do that. Wait, wait, I, I want to I step up, and I think that that's what this, this plague, this virus, is God is calling us and putting us into a difficult situation. In fact, a, a, a situation that's uncomfortable. Yeah. And, and let me just speak this to you. The same God who sent the Holy Spirit to be your comforter is also the God of your discomfort. He's the God who wants to comfort you when the enemy's coming after you, but he's also the same God who will cause discomfort in you when you're settling for anything less of the best than what he has for you. So you have to under, you can't stay in this place of like, oh, the church is doing so good. Hey, we're at three services. The building's paid off. Oh, that, hey, you know what? This is a break. Why don't we just all take it easy? Everybody just spend some time out in the wilderness and let's just take service. We'll just do little devotions for eight or 10 minutes and shoot them online and say, hey guys, hope you make it and just survive or sustain at a place when God is saying there's so much more for you. There's so much greater out there for you. Uh, you, are, you are settling for the dysfunction that you know exists in you. But if you get closer to me and if I can, if I can put you in a place of discomfort, I will cause the dysfunction to cease. But sometimes we just want to be pacified and be left in our place of comfort and allow that place of dysfunction to just remain because we've learned how to function with dysfunction. 
Isn't that the paradox? We've become the functioning alcoholic, as it were. We've become the, the functional dysfunctional. We, we learned how to be dysfunctional, functioning families. We learned how to be dysfunctional, functioning marriages. We've learned how to be dysfunctional to the core of who we are and what we're able to do, always living below par and never living at our best, but always at the less. And we can't see what God has for us because we just want to be comfortable. And we want to be comfortable in our cute church. We want to be comfortable in our padded pews. We want to be comforted by our pastor and preachers and teachers. And we want them to tell. Because what did Elkanah do? He did what any good husband would do, I'll tell you that. He, he Elkanah said, hey, because uh, I got to a point where she was frustrated. It, it got to a point where she was, she was mad. She was miserable. She was frustrated. And let me just tell you, the reason God will cause you to be in a place of discomfort is because he's not going to allow your flesh to negotiate with you to bring down your faith because flesh will always try to negotiate your faith. The flesh will always try to negotiate your faith. And, but if he gets you in a place of discomfort, Josh, if he gets you in a place of discomfort, Omar, I know you're streaming right now. If he gets you in a place of discomfort, he could cause you to step out into a greater dimension. And when her husband, Elkanah, could see the discomfort, he could see the pain, he says, hey, are you okay? You know, it's a good question. And he says, am I not Worth more than 10 sons? And she just looked him up and down. No, you're not. Because every man thinks that they're all that their spouse needs. Aren't I everything you need? And and see, that's what's going to happen is there are going to be people who try to negotiate your potential. And they're going to try to appease you rather than pressure you and call you into a greater place. Luckily, Hannah was saying, no, 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 no. I don't want to settle for anything less than my best. I know there's something, there's something not working right. And, I, and God's not healing my condition. God's not healing the virus. God's not healing my problem. He's causing a discomfort in the carrier and in the person to be challenged into a place of greatness. And I can't remain where I've been. And I don't know where you're at, but you ought to give God some praise right there because if you're tired of living, how, of doing church, oh, I wish I could pace the aisles. I wish everybody was here. But well, I, I'm telling you, if you're tired of doing church the way we've always done church, if you're tired of seeing the same results in our city we've always seen, if you're tired of seeing, you know what, we just kind of put up with the dysfunction and the addiction and, and the ailment and the problems because it's just become part of our norm. Because after so many years, we think maybe this is just who I am maybe this is just who we are as a society and we begin to negotiate in our flesh for our faith we begin to compromise our faith for our flesh and because our flesh tells us this is probably just what God wants for you This is probably where he just has you. This is probably, he just wants you to live in that dirty home that's too small and can't fit your family. He wants you to live with a broke down car. He wants you to live with no job. He just, he wants your family never to succeed and never to go farther. He wants you to live in a place of survival rather than succeeding. And we begin to negotiate with our faith, but Hannah did not. Hannah did not. 
And Hannah decided, you know what? I'm not going to live in a place of comfort anymore. I am allowing a provocational moment to happen in my life that provokes me out of my comfort, out of my convenience, out of my place where everything is taken care of. And it's all wonderful. And I have to be called into a place of faith and discomfort. And I'm going to have to wonder, is God really going to do it? And I have to step out in faith in that. And Hannah... Hannah, in this moment, because she's been provoked by her rival, I hope you get a rival today. I hope somebody prods your faith. I hope somebody questions your faith. I hope somebody says, what, why, what are you doing? Well, what are, are you really, is that really worship? You call that worship? Because what Hannah did after this, Hannah said this, I want you to write it down. Take me to the church. Take me to God. Take me, stop going to the house. Remember, we read Elkanah went to the house of the Lord to worship the Lord every year. We didn't he- read about Hannah. We didn't read about uh, uh, Padina. We read about the man going. And then because she can't go alone, we know that Elkanah would have taken her there. So Elkanah has to take her to the house of the Lord because she can't go alone. So she goes to the Lord. She goes to the Lord and she says, take me to the Lord. And I hope somebody today turns around and says, you know what? I'm tired of settling with my dysfunction. I'm tired of living and and wondering, God, just fix my problem so I don't have to do anything. Or God, just fix my condition so I don't really have to exercise faith. I hope somebody gets provoked so much by a rival in your spirit, in your mind, and in your heart that you are called to run to God, to to go to the house of God, to get in prayer with God, to hear a word from God. And when she got there, oh, that's the best, Harrison. When she got there, what she did was powerful. She began to just worship God so much that the priest, Eli, thought she was drunk. (laughs) That means she must have been staggering. She must have been flailing. She must have been moaning. She must have been crying. I wonder if anybody in here has ever had a time, let alone when was the last time that you worshiped God so much you had a drunk praise. You had a drunk kind of worship where you were just, you weren't drunk by wine, but you were drunk in the spirit. You were saying, God, I got to worship you. I got to dance before you. I got to move. I don't know what it takes to get your attention. God, I'm over here. God, my womb is shut up. God, I'm dysfunctional. God, I need your help. God, I need you. And the, the priest thought she was drunk because she had a drunk kind of praise. I pray the next time you show up at church, you don't show up because God isn't looking for happy people to show up at church. I'm just telling you, he's not looking and he's not looking for hurting people either. God is looking for hungry people. Because God responds to hunger. God responded to her hunger. Not because she came hurting. Not because she came happy. But because she came hungry before God. And she didn't care who saw her. Everybody was watching. And she was flailing. You might be worshiping God. Standing and waving your hands. Don't worry about what your kids are thinking. Don't worry about what your spouse is thinking. You just begin to worship God and say, God, we're not going to live in this dysfunction anymore. God, we're not going to live with a broken marriage anymore just surviving till the kids get out of the house and then we divorce God we're not going to live like that we're not going to live in our addiction anymore we're not going to live in that see that's the easy that's where our flesh can negotiate right there it's because our flesh can try to tell us well has it ever happened 
Has anybody ever really been healed? You can join me, Josh. I'm going to close. Has, has anybody, if nobody had ever been healed of addiction, you could claim it's never been done. But every time you turn around, it's like you meet somebody new who just got healed of addiction. And, and, and every time she, she could easily say, well, no one's ever gotten pregnant, but bam, there Panina is pregnant again, barefoot and pregnant again. And she was pregnant again, pregnant again, pregnant again. And if she could, Hannah could easily say it's not possible if she hadn't watched God do it over and over and over. God is going to bless somebody around you so much that it provokes you out of your dysfunction, out of your situation, out of your circumstance to stop complaining about it, to stop trying to get God to fix it and start saying, God, I'm going to worship you. 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 She worshiped. She, they thought she was drunk. And he said, hey, what, what are you going to do, you bibber? Why, when are you going to leave, you crazy person? Get out of here. She said, no, don't mistake me for being drunk. I came here because I need to meet God. And she said, if you'll bless me with a child... Give me a baby. If you bless me and heal my womb, I promise I'll, I'll give my, my, my baby to the Lord. This is where we dedicate children for. I promise I'll surrender. And, and, and guess what? She ended up getting pregnant. She had Samuel. Samuel, the book we were reading, Samuel. She has Samuel, then she has five other kids. Be, and she gave Samuel to the Lord. Said, God is yours. And Samuel was so powerful. Remember who, who anointed David? Samuel. Right? You got to understand that the, what she had, God needed her. And get, think about this. Make the connection. Who in the Bible was known for the powerful worship? David. That came from an anointing from Samuel. That came from an anointed woman named Hannah. The anointing poured out from one to the other because mama decided we're not going to live like this anymore. Today is the last day. We won't live in it anymore. We're stepping out of this and as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I will worship God in spirit and in truth. I will worship Him in good times and in bad times. I will worship Him when He's fulfilling my promises and when he's not fulfilling my promises I know God will do it but she said I'm going to worship him anyway and then what she do she said <clears throat> she sang a song so then she has Samuel and she sang a song she gets the word from God right and then she sings the song after she gets the word gets the child and then bears the child I want you to follow me and then what happens in the New Testament we hear about Mary gets a word from God about a baby and what does she do she sings a song she gets the word she gets the baby she sings a song but Isaiah changes it all Isaiah flips the script and I don't have time to go there but I want you to read it Isaiah flips the script and he says sing 
Oh, you barren woman. Sing first and watch the blessing come. I don't know where you're barren right now. And I don't know what's destroying your life. And I don't know what's playing. Maybe it is the coronavirus. Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's panic. I don't know what is causing the dysfunction in your life. But Isaiah flips the script with a prophetic unction and says, no, no, no. Don't wait till after. I want you to start singing first. I want you to worship now. I want you to write a song now. I want you to worship me now because of what I'm going to do then. And if you worship God now, you'll see what he's got for you tomorrow. But you got to worship. You got to start singing that song because God is the God who calls you out of your comfort and into a place that challenges you to become your best. And if I can so bravely and boldly speak for the body of Christ, I am tired of watching churches struggle financially, struggle numerically, continue to never see miracles, signs and wonders, never changing cities at the pace that we saw the book of Acts, never changing states and nations to turn their hearts to God. I want to see a place that where we've let dysfunction remain, all of a sudden the people of God start to step up and say, where once we were barren, now we will have life. Once we were in a wasteland, but he's brought streams into our life. And I want to see the church of God rise up in every home, in every life, in every family. And you begin to sing a new song unto the Lord because God wants you to sing first. Don't sing after, sing before. And as you sing before, we're going to watch God heal our nation. Oh, no, no, I'm going to say it again. As you start to sing in your home, we are going to watch God heal our nation. As you begin to sing and declare, we're going to watch God heal families and heal marriages. You have refrained and withheld and you've become comfortable. And God is saying, I'm causing something to come into your world and into your life to cause mass discomfort because you've gotten way too comfortable, church. You've gotten way too comfortable, people of God, of just going through the motions and you're almost once step away from just being the old religion that I came to do away with but I'm stepping in right now to cause a discomfort and an eruption that happens to say I gotta stir some things up in you and God is stirring some things up because he says no 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 you can't you can't you gotta get ready you gotta get ready for what I'm about to do you're my bride I need you ready and I need you singing before I come not just when I show up I need you singing to the day that I set foot back on this earth and say now is the time the trumpets have sound jubilee is here heaven is here we're all going come on baby let's give God some praise wherever you are start to shout make your neighbors nervous come on God come on God do it do it I'm not backing down I'm not worried about trying to manage my message and my sermon to be convenient for you and comfortable for you. I don't need it to be. We need it to be a message of preparation. And I need it to be a preparation. God needs it to be a preparation for the people of God to get out of, because we could easily settle. We could easily settle. We're still married. I'm still married. We're still married to Elkanah. And Elkanah is the one who said, it's okay. But she said, no, uh, it's not okay. I, I can't do this. I can't watch everybody. God, I, I pray continually. God's going to put some rivals around you. God's going to use this virus to stir and provoke you. Isn't that what he did in the book of Acts? 
the book of Acts, all of a sudden, because he, he talked about, hey, I'm going to pour out the Holy Spirit. I'm going to give it to you so you can go be witnesses of Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. He pours out the Holy Spirit. Peter preaches a great word. 3,000 people are added that day, and they thought it was awesome. They thought it was awesome. 3,000 people are like, dude, we're killing it. And God says, that's nothing compared to what I called for you to do. And then they got comfortable. They, the Bible says, then they broke bread, and they fellowshiped, and they shared all things in common, and they stayed in Jerusalem. And because of that, God said, I need to stir something up. And this, the stirring happened by Stephen. And Stephen began to preach. And then Stephen got stoned. And now the church started to become under huge persecution. And it forced them out. And it forced them out of Jerusalem to Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And that's how the earth got reached by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because a moment of provocation that he said, I'm going to provoke you. I'm going to push you out of here. You can't remain in comfort. You can't remain in your... You think 3,000. You think reaching Flagstaff to 20% was saying 10,000 people or 16,000 people going to church is a good deal. But Jesus is saying, that's not enough. I didn't call you to reach part your city. I called you to reach the whole city. I called to reach your whole state. I want the whole nation. I want the whole world. All creation is mine. They're all my kids. And if you'll just listen to me and if you'll follow me, we can do this together. But I can't let you get comfortable. And God is calling us out. Call, calling us out on the carpet. And I want you to imagine that rival squaring up against you. And saying, oh, no, not today. You're not going to show me up at my house. I'm going to show up. And you stand up and become what God has called you to be. And you watch that area of barrenness, that area of dysfunction, all of a sudden fade away. And God is not only going to heal you, but he's going to use you to birth greatness. He's going to use you to birth Vision Isn't that what a prophet is all about? To birth vision, to speak into tomorrow. God is going to do that for you. But you've got to worship. You've got to put him first. You've got to allow some discomfort to happen. And in this moment of discomfort, say, that's good. I like it. I like being uncomfortable. I like when the odds are against me. I like it when everybody else seems to be getting something. And everybody else, as a preacher, I'm watching everybody else get a book deal. You, you don't know how many times I have preached a message. And then I've watched some powerhouse like Stephen Furtick. I know that's your idol over there. But Stephen Furtick st preached the same message, New Room. And then T.D. Jakes preach it. Or, or, or Jensen Franklin preach it. And then, or they're quoting the same quote that I preached weeks ago. And I'm like, come on, baby. I said that first. And all it does is it doesn't cause me to quit or get discouraged. It provokes me to go further. It provokes me to do more. It provokes me to preach more powerful, to dig deeper in the Word. I'm like, oh, that's good. Oh, yeah, you got that? I want to go further in here. And I want to push further because you're going to be put around people who are going to push you further in your finances, push you further in your wisdom, push you further in understanding, push you further in your knowledge. I hope today I quoted so much Scripture and so many different points in the Bible that you got so lost and confused that all you want to do is read the Bible now. 
Because somebody's got to get around you that's above you that can pull you and provoke you. They're so far, they're blessed than you. She had multiple kids. They're so, she's so far beyond her that she kept provoking her to be miserable. And God allowed it because he couldn't let Hannah stay. He, he knew what Hannah had in her. Hannah didn't. God did let God provoke you in your faith. Let him provoke you in your home today. Let him provoke you in your worship, in your marriage. I pray you find another marriage that's like a million times better than yours. And you just, you, you can't, you can't, it sickens you to see how great they are together. And you're just like, you know what, babe, we're going to do this. We're going to be better than them. And you get a rival. Somebody just push you to spur you on. What do you think iron sharpening iron means? You think, you think that's comfortable? Iron, sharpening iron. I hope that camera is zoomed in real close. See how wide my eyes are? What? You need to understand that God is not calling you to be comfortable, but in a place of discomfort. Into a moment where you get provoked and you get a rival that challenges you into a greater place of authority. God is going to do it. I want to pray with you. Wherever you are, don't bow your head. Stand up wherever you are. And, and, and my, the few we've got here, the worship team, stand up. I want you to stand up because I want to pray with you. Don't get comfortable, right? If you're in your bed, how, how have you stayed in your bed this whole time? Get up. Get up out of your bed. Put some clothes on. And I want you to, I want you to get ready because God is going to cause discomfort in your life if he hasn't already. And it's on purpose. It's on purpose because he's provoking you to a greater place of not only faith, but potential, of promise, of purpose. You've got something in you that the world desperately needs. If I went through every chapter of 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel, you would see how this entire world has been changed by one man. But it took a woman who said, I will not remain in a place of comfort. I am being discomforted, so I have to get into a place where God challenges me to see the best in me, but come through me. And so God is going to do that for each and every one of us. God is going to cause you. He's going to make you a little uncomfortable because he wants to see greatness come from you and through you. It's going to be powerful. And where you once were barren, let me speak to the people who are barren. It talks about her womb being barren, but that's the place of potential. That is the place where we carry the seed for which God has for us. So the harvest that we talk about, right? All the different places that God says, hey, I, I want to bear fruit and blessing in your life. It comes from a barren place, right? You need to understand it comes from the womb of purpose. So this womb represents your place of blessing, your place of harvest, your place of increase. So if you have been barren in your finances, I am going to start declaring with you that God is about to bless you. If you've been barren and dysfunctional in your marriage, God's about to bring blessing your way. If you have been dysfunctional with your kids as a parent, you are going to get blessing right now. God is going to send a harvest for you. God is going to do it for you because you're not going to be satisfied anymore. You're not going to just survive this anymore. Now you're going to step out and get rid of the dysfunction and you're going to stand in faith. 
And Lord, in Jesus' name, I want you to raise your hands. In Jesus' name, every single person in every home, in every city, in every state, in every nation that's streaming, I pray right now that life would come forth. I pray right now that where there was barrenness, now there will be fruitfulness. I pray, God, where there once was nothing, now there is life. Where there once was death and destruction and disappointment, now, God, you have brought hope into that situation. And I thank you, God, that you're not just going to bring one thing, but she had five more kids. And I thank you, God, that it's not just one blessing. It's blessings on blessings on blessings that are coming, God, and you will provide. You will make a way. You will under. You will show the vision. You will make it plain so that they can see, that they can walk it out. And I thank you, God, that we don't need to live in darkness anymore. God, we're going to step into the light. We're going to step out of barrenness into fruitfulness. And Lord, we thank you, God, that we, we can because you've done it before. Our flesh isn't going to talk us out of our faith anymore. Our faith will stand and remain and say, no, no, God, I've seen you do it. You're going to do it again. And I thank you, God, that you're going to do it in our house, in our homes, in our church. I prophesy that the body of Christ Lord, would become barren no more. That we would become more fruitful than ever in our history. And I thank you that there's a, har there's a harvest coming. There's a harvest coming. There's a blessing coming. There's an increase coming. Where there once was used to be struggle. Where there once used to be barrenness, God. And no fruit, no harvest, no soul winning. Nothing going on. All of a sudden, God, I pray when the doors open up after this restraint has been taken off, I pray that the floodgates of heaven would open up and every church preaching Jesus would be full. Multiple services wouldn't be enough. Buildings wouldn't be enough, big, big enough. And I thank you, God, that offerings aren't going to be big enough. God, you're going to continue to shower financial blessings. And we're going to continue to buy land and property and buildings. And we're going to expand the kingdom of God. And, Lord, this is the trigger. This is the moment of provocation. This is the moment, God, of the rival pushing us, saying, there's so much more. And I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, everybody said Amen. Let's give God some praise.